0: What are you afraid of? Tigers and snakes. What are you afraid of? Nothing. What are you afraid of? The dark. And growing up. (laughs) Not having a way of escape or a way of getting out. If I'm left with no vehicles at my house, I feel very. I can't leave when I want to. And whereas I'm not in any danger, I still, that's something that really makes me afraid. What are you afraid of? I am afraid of fires. After losing our home in 2015 to a house fire, the smell of smoke, and when I know a fire is closed, is the biggest fear I have. What are you afraid of? Um, I'm honestly afraid of not being able to breathe. <laughs> like, people who scuba dive, no. Or like tiny spaces where maybe there's not a lot of air. That's what I'm really scared of. I'd say messing up, doing something wrong, and the consequences that would come from that. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of letting people down. What are you afraid of? I am afraid of being alone. Alright, this morning I am so excited to be here with you as last week we started a two part series. Matt led us through the first part of, of faith over fear and, and how the journey God has led him on and that he is still on. And and we talked about don't, don't forgetting the word of God that is planted within us that we have access to and to feed your faith, not the fears that, that rise up. And then also know the source, know your fear, and then surround yourself with those that are going to help combat those fears with you in the name of the Lord. So um, we must quiet the noise so that, that we hear what he has for us. And so as as that came out of last week, that has been my prayer for this week that we that we would quiet all the noise and and if we have another power surge glitch or whatever like we did at the beginning of the service I'm just going to start screaming and because I feel like God has this word for us today and I think my voice can handle that so as you notice on this video this week I gathered it was on Thursday because due to the ice storm we were kind of closed down a few days so on Thursday I grabbed kind of whoever was around. They were gracious to participate, but also they were here and available. So I grabbed them, and and those individuals, I I would thank them for their vulnerability and their honesty. But as we were shooting this video, it was just a small amount of to say, what fears are out there? What fears are we dealing with in this world and in the society that we live in today? And then I also went onto social media and I posted this question, what are you afraid of? And then after 50 plus responses in only like 12 hours, over 50 responses in that, that, that listed all all these fears. And what it struck within me was that there are fears and they're prevalent and they're, they're real and they're out there and we're dealing with them. But today my hope and my prayer is that we see that we have a faith that is greater than our fears no matter where we find ourselves today. I wasn't in the video, but my part of that, my fear, I would have to say, I'm afraid of heights. I will climb up on a ladder if it's necessary. I will, I've will. i changed some light bulbs in this room on a lift, and I was scared to death. I was thinking at least they won't have to go far for the funeral service, all right? Um, I was scared of the heights. I'm also scared of the dark. I mean, I just... I have nightlights in my house. I'm not afraid to, to say it. We, we spent the night elsewhere this week, and there wasn't a nightlight. And I forgot about the wall being there. I bumped the wall in the middle of the night, so I, I'm scared of the dark. But also probably the one that, that is the biggest and the most real to the core and the vulnerability part of me is that I might fail or mess up as, as a husband, as a man, as a father. So these are the fears that we have. And, and I'll get to some of the fears that were shared on social media with me this last week. But those are fears. They're real. I'm not going to stand up here and tell us that we shouldn't have those because they're real. And I'm not going to downplay or, or say they need to get over it. I love the vulnerability that we saw in that video. Fears happen. Fears happen. But like I said, we have access to a faith that is so much greater than the fear. I came across this this week, and I read this, and it's a blog post. It says, fear, one of the enemy's most popular weapons that he uses against us, worry, the anxiety, the fear. It can overwhelm us with a thick shadow of darkness, controlling every move and decision. So much crazy is going around in the world today wars, conflicts, persecution, violence, crime, natural disasters, terrorism, economic uncertainty, unemployment, divisions, disease, and death. We fear for our children's future, we fear for our families, we fear for our safety and our financial future. The list goes on so long. There's actually a lot that we could potentially worry about. And this is a pastor's wife who is blogging this, and she goes on to share about the hope that we have in 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 the faith that we have in the Lord. The truth is, there is a lot of uncertainty happening in the world today. There's a lot going on in the world today. There's a lot to drive fear. And if you don't believe me, Matt hit it on the head last week when he said, just go watch the news. or Better yet, don't watch the news and you'll avoid all that. But, but there's a lot to drive fear. But we must remember that we have access to faith that is so much greater than fear. I'm going to say it again. We have access to faith so much greater than the fear we may experience. So today we're going to look at several scriptures. Hopefully you're ready. It's going to be like Bible drill of old. The screen, They're going to be up on the screens as well. But we're going to look at a ton of scriptures that will help us with those fears. That will will help us say, God, I trust you, even though I may not see you in the very midst and moment. And I trust you with these fears. I'm going to release these fears so that we can become all that God has for us and all that God wants us to become. So first off this morning, the first point, if you're taking notes, is not what we expect. Not what was expected. Many times we see these fears, they rise up. These fears, they, they come. The enemy decides to put them in and let them creep in when things don't happen as expected. I know in this room of people this size, I know there's got to be some control freaks. It's okay. There's got to be some people that like to have control. I'm that way when I drive. If, if I don't have a clear path, if I, if I don't have control, I, I just have to get away from all the crazes, and I'm probably the number one of them. But I just have to get away because I don't have control of what everybody's doing around me, and it brings up this inner turmoil. But there's a lot of things that we don't expect, that, and fear can creep in in those times. How many times do we sit and maybe we're laying there in the middle of the night, it's dark, it's quiet, and then we hear a small, seemingly small, but yet unexpected noise. All the way to the unexpected diagnosis or unexpected death of a loved one. In those moments, we can be distracted from keeping our eyes on the Lord. And in those moments, we can say, you know what, fear is creeping in. The enemy will say, hey, I can get a foothold in there because their world has just been rocked on top of itself. And we see that fear tends to creep in in this time. And we're going to see a couple of unexpected moments in the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to see faith under fire. Faith under fire. Not not what we expected, but faith under fire is our 1st subpoint in this that we're talking about. And many of you may know the story in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or maybe if you're VeggieTales, I won't go there. Maybe if you're a VeggieTales fan, it's a giant bunny. I don't know. Um, But we may remember that story from Vacation Bible School or whatever, but we see three men. We see three men, these Jews, they were not going to worship any other gods or they weren't going to bow down to the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had instilled and built and put in place. He had set it up. And this upset many people. Their fan club was not soaring in this moment. This upset many people, namely the Chaldeans and and. They came to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they, they convinced him that these three didn't listen to his commands. They said to the king, Oh, king, that this, these three men, they're doing something totally contrary to what you have decreed, Oh, wonderful king. And this frustrates him, and that's where we pick up in verse 13. And it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, and all the instruments, and all the kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But If you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you then out of my hands? So the king, he decides, I'm going to see for myself that they are defying my law and my commands. I want to see this for myself, and I'm going to give them another opportunity, thinking that the death by fire, that takes it up a notch. That doesn't just a reprimand in the principal's office. That takes it up, the the element of, hey, potentially I could die, and not die a fun death, but a death by fire in this fiery furnace. And so the king says, surely they'll listen to my edict now. Surely they'll cave in because of the fear of impuretiveness pending death and the fear of burning in the fire. Surely that would be what it would take to get them to, to comply. But then if we read on in verse 16 it says, then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we need no, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us. Our God that we deserve, that we serve is able to deliver us from this burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Think of what they said, but if not, if he chooses not to, Let it be known to you and everybody that can hear our voice. Let it be known, O king, that we will not serve your God or any other God. We're not going to worship this golden image. We're not going to bow down or do any of that stuff because we serve the one true king. We serve the one true God. So king, you can throw whatever you want at me. King, you can put whatever you think will help us fault and fail and, and bow down. But no matter what it is, we will not give in. Because we serve the true God. This obviously makes King Nebuchadnezzar even more furious. This lights him up. Not not only because he has created this statue, but here are three men, three Jews that are saying, No, O oh King. We respect the authority that you've been put in because you are in that governmental position. We respect that position. But we are not going to bow down. We are not going to obey that because we have only one king that we bow down to him and his name is the Lord Almighty. They say, no, we won't. And this upsets the king. Church, we can get excited a little bit this morning. It's okay. In verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he had the furnace turned up seven times hotter than what it was normally heated. Now here's the unexpected part. Here's the unexpected part. Not only is the king sentencing, about to sentence Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to death and death by a fiery furnace not only is their life going to be ended in this, in a painful, agonizing death, but what do we see? it says it's going to be in a fire that's seven times as hot as it normally is, I don't know if you've played with fire don't, but I don't know if you have lately but fire is hot fire is hot, so imagine that times seven, and then you're going to get placed in it against your free will going to be heated seven times as hot and as the king commands the fire to be turned up these men could have changed their minds they could have stopped back gotten in a little huddle and said fellas that's really hot I don't mind maybe running the risk of of a regular fire but seven times as hot guys that's, that's pretty hot maybe we should give in They don't do that. Things got super real in this moment for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have opted out because that is a crazy hot fire. But their response to the king in that very moment was one of fear. It was not a fear, but one of faith. One of of faith over fear. They could have feared because it was a hot fire. They could have feared because their lives were going to be over from this moment, but they did not. Their response was one of faith and not of fear. They were not swayed. They did not waver. They had faith in the Lord. In verse 17, it says, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And I love verse 18. And they said, but if not. But if not. Go ahead and underline that in your Bible, if you write in your Bibles. But if not, it's all good. They say, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden idol that you have set up the unexpected did not wake up thinking that their lives they didn't wake up thinking that their lives were going to come to an end that day they did not wake up thinking that this could be the end but here's what i want us to gather this morning Whatever happens to us, whatever that furnace is in our life that we're facing, maybe it's really hot and we're thinking, oh my goodness, it is really, really bad. No matter what that is in our life, God is good and God has got it under control. If we just say, we will trust him, we must make that decision for him today. Whatever it is, he is good. And as you know, you probably know the rest of the story. The fire seven times as hot, and as they approach the, the fire, is so hot that it even kills the, the men that were recruited to throw those three into the fire. And then as the, the three were thrown into the fire, bound up, someone notices and says, hey, it looks like they're walking around, and it looks like there's four of them in there now. That's the power of our God. Hey, we threw three in the fire, but but guess what? There's another one in the fire walking around. And guess what? Verse 25 says. It says, "In the appearance of the fourth, it's like one of the sons of the gods." Somebody get excited in this place. The Lord is with them in the fire as their death, as they're facing death. The Lord is there, saying, "Hey, I'm right here with you. No need to fear. No need to be dismayed. I am here." And what I love after this, they turn off the fire and they get the men out, not even smelling like smoke. And if you've ever had a bonfire in your backyard, you know that's a hard task to come off with. But they didn't even smell like smoke. They get them out and what they were, they were promoted by the king. But what's even better? What's, oh, it gets good. What's even more important here? As King Nebuchadnezzar, he turned and he started praising God. He turned and said, hey, now my decree is saying, hey, you guys follow the Lord. eh? Point not to that idol and that image anymore, but point to the one who was in the midst of the fire with him. So my question for us today, and we're just getting started. Are we willing to go through the fire if it means that God is getting the praise? Are we willing to face that fire if it means in the end that someone will come to turn their face to Jesus? Are we willing to walk through those hard times? Are we willing for the bank account to read zero and maybe red if that means that eventually the Lord's going to get praise? Are we willing to walk through the treatments and the diagnoses when the doctors have no more hope? Are we willing to walk through that if the Lord is going to get the praise on the other side? Are we willing to walk through the fire if it means God will get the praise? The second part of point one, come on, is faith in facing the furious. Faith in facing the furious. Just turn over a couple pages to Daniel chapter six. And you're also probably familiar with this story. It's Daniel in the lion's den. You've heard it and you've seen it all over. But Daniel was one of the three high officials that King Darius had put into place. And because of his success, and he was dedicated to the Lord, others around, they became jealous of him. And so they created this decree, this edict from King Darius to put in something, a law into order that Daniel could not follow and could not obey. They knew it because of his faith in the Lord. So in chapter 6 of Daniel in verse 10, we pick up and it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed. He went to the house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now we're going to pause right there and camp out there just for a second. What is so amazing in this part to me is the fact that Daniel knew what the document said. He knew that the document had been signed by the king and he knew that it was in order. He knew that it meant certain death if he disobeyed what the document said, but he did not let that change what he did. He did not let that waver in what he was doing. Instead, he went and he said, I've done this day in and day out and I'm gonna not stop worshiping the Lord. This would have been a perfect time for fear to creep in. Fear of the unknown. Fear of being exposed. Fear of being labeled as a Jesus freak or a a follower of the Lord. Fear of even death. This would have been a perfect time for the fear of death to paralyze Daniel into inaction. But what does it do? It actually does the opposite. We see something else. Daniel does not waver in the face of fear. He actually stands up to all of those what-ifs. He actually stands up to all of them and then he gets down on a knee before the true one. He put more importance on his devotion to the Lord than his very own life on earth. If we jump down to verse 16, it says, and then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. May your God now deliver you and good luck. See, these lions here, they were, they were ferocious. They were wild animals that were ready to devour anything place. I have a picture of a lion. This is not what those lions looked like. That's a cute little lion that we had to promote our fall fest. That's not what they looked like. They were ferocious. They were intent on destroying whatever meat entered into their den. This wasn't like the zoo animals that we go and look at, even though they are still dangerous. These were not tame lions. They were ready to destroy whatever place in front of them. And we see Daniel's life. He lived a life in a manner in which the king said, now let the God who you continually serve, let him rescue you, let him deliver you. Jumping down to verse 19 it says then at the break of day then at the break of day the king arose as he has been tormented all night when went with haste to the den of lions as he as he came near the den where daniel was he cried out in anguish he said o daniel servant of the living god has your god whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions then daniel said to the king o king live forever Verse 22 it says, My God sent an angel shut the lions' mouths. Can I get an amen right there? God shut the lions' mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And we jump down, and it says, And the king commanded, in verse 24, the men who maliciously accused Daniel, that they were thrown in, and the, and the lions destroyed them before they even hit the ground. And so we know that the lions weren't just not hungry that night. The lions weren't just full from the previous person that they just destroyed. We see that the Lord said, no, I'm going to shut the mouths of this beast, this ferocious beast that you are facing. I have the power to shut their mouths all night long until rescue comes in the morning. He says, I have the power to shut that. And then when the others are thrown in, we see the lions devour them. And then in verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, peace be multiplied to you i make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the god of daniel we see daniel survives this death sentence not because the lions weren't hungry but because god did the unexpected he showed up in a big way god has the power to show up in a big way not only did he rescue daniel But we see that King Darius makes a decree that everyone would worship the God of Daniel, that everybody would bow down to the God of Daniel. Just like we saw a few chapters earlier, their willingness, their willingness to not let fear paralyze them, pave the way for others to come to know the Lord. Their willingness to not let fear get too too much room inside of them and to paralyze them, to to hamstring them. They didn't let the fear hold them back, but they said, God, I'm going to trust in you, even though it looks like death, even though it looks rough. I'm going to trust in you, Lord. And what happens? We see kings are turning their eyes to the Lord. Because they were willing to step out to allow their faith to overcome those fears that were real fears it's okay to be fearful of a hungry lion that is there to devour you it's okay to be fearful of being thrown into a fire for your your body to be incinerated it's just okay to fear that but they chose to not let that fear get a foothold and they said I'm going to choose faith because I know my God has time and time again has come through They knew, as we see in point two, he cares for us. They rested in that, that he cares for us. So, jump over to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. He cares for us. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the heirs. They, they neither sow, sow nor reap or gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you can, by being anxious, add an hour to your span of life? And why are you being anxious about clothing? Because consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and that they ne- neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor And all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And doesn't the Lord care more for you than these lilies, than these flowers? Therefore, in verse 31, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow has will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble I hope you are In here to hear that opening song this morning. It's a song called Sparrows. And it talks about how good our God is. And it keeps repeating. It keeps saying, he takes good care of me. Just like the birds of the air, he takes good care of me. I love how it repeats it. Because I'm a learner that it takes repeating a number of times. He takes good care of me. May I remember, he takes good care of me. Whenever things are going rough, yes, he does care for me. And he's taking good care of me. Somebody, it's good stuff right here. And we see that the Lord is saying, why worry about it? I've come through time and time again. He's saying, Tyler, pay attention. I've supplied that need before. Just a couple months ago, I supplied that need. Are you already forgotten? He's saying, I've walked you down that road and that path before. And I say, oh Lord, this is a new path. He says, yeah, it's dark, just like that other one that we just walked through together, and we made it through fine." He says, don't worry about that, for I am with you. I care for you way more than the birds, and I take good care of them, way more than the flowers, and look how beautiful they are and how great they turn out. I love this because he says, don't you know that he cares so much more for us? We, out of all the creation, are the only ones made in his image. We are made in the image of God, so why would he not take care of us? Why would he not supply? Why would he care for a peacock? I don't know why I chose that one. Better than he would care for his own creation in his own image. Why are we worrying about these things? For us to be anxious, looks at God and says, God, I have a lack of faith in you. God this struggle is really big and I don't know if you can handle it so I'm going to try it. I know we don't say those words but many times when we worry and dwell on those things we're essentially telling that to God even though he's promised time and time again to take care of us. He says instead of wasting our time worrying, that we should be focusing and spending our time thinking on on him it says but seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to you seek first God and his kingdom and then all the other stuff can fall into the line all the other stuff will be taken care of all the other stuff will follow suit where is our focus today church are we focusing on the Lord and all that he has for us are we trusting him to take care of us in all things in all ways in the good in the bad then we also see that he is with us he is with us as Matt mentioned last week in part one of his message that we're told in the word that he will never leave us nor forsake us he will never leave us and abandon us or forsake us We see this promise being revealed and reminded to us again in the psalm as well. In Psalm chapter 23, even though it's a passage that is typically read at a funeral, at one's funeral service, as a profession of faith into God's eternal protection, we see this same theme reoccurring, that he will never leave us. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Lord. I'm not going to fear, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, your boomstick is ready to make a way for me. They comfort me. They are there for me and with me. In this time, the shadows they would hold and they would hide, whether it be bandits and thieves or, or wild animals or cliffs or floods or whatever, these shadows were risky places. They couldn't just pull out their iPhone and turn on the flashlight and then leave it on when they put it back in their pocket. They couldn't do that. In the shadows is where the danger lied. In the shadows was things lurking that they had no clue when they were going to approach them. But this verse says, even in those shadows, whatever shadows you may be walking through, whatever shadows you may find yourself in today, He says, guess what? I will not fear because I am with you. You don't have to fear the shadows any longer because he has come to bring that light and to illuminate everything that's lurking in the corners and in every crevice. It gives us hope that he is with us. And then lastly, we see we are victorious. We are victorious. Romans chapter eight, thirty-seven and thirty-nine it says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor nor things present or things to come, nor powers or height, or depth. There's that height that I'm scared of, nor depth That nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are conquerors. I looked it up in the dictionary. He says, we are victors. Can I get someone to agree with me this morning? We are victorious because of him, what he has done in him and through him and because of him. We are victorious. And then to reiterate that in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2, it says, but now says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, and they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. We shall not be overwhelmed by these things. Yes, they're scary. Yes, they're intimidating. But what has he told us? He cares us for us. He is with us. We can have faith and trust that He is in control. No matter what you're facing, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what you're walking up against, no matter what comes your way, He is good and He is God. He is there with us and for us. We have victory in Him and through Him. So today, what is it that we need to claim victory in? What is it that we need to claim victory? And I've got a ton more verses. If you want them, you can download them off our church website. I'll upload the PowerPoint, the Asimov. But we are victorious throughout the word. We see it. That he's just not a God that's up on high, that is so distant that, that we have to hope and wait and hope that he's listening. No, he is involved in our relationship. He's not, he's not absent. He is involved and he is dedicated and he's engaged in this relationship. He is there. So what is the victory that we need to claim today? Some of the responses, not being enough, being a disappointment, failure, rejection what is it that we're facing? What fears do we need to say? God, this scares me to death and I don't know what to do about it. So the only thing I can think of is to release it to you at the foot of the cross because God, you faced death for me. It wasn't even because what you did wrong. It was because of me and my mistakes and my failures and my shortcomings that you died on that cross for me. You looked fear straight in the face and you said, I love him so I'm willing to take on this painful death. What do we need to release at the foot of the cross today what is he saying what is he saying release it what is he saying hey I'm there if you just let go long enough and stop focusing on it I'm there and you'll see me what if we let go and see all the goodness and have that open hand so we can receive all the goodness that he is waiting to lavish down upon us but we're holding so tight to that fear What if? I don't know how. Awesome thing is, we don't have to know how. We just let go. You've heard the saying, let go and let God. Let him walk us through it. Because he has made the promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's not going to jump ship when the going gets rough. He is there. And he desires to be there. He's in it for the long haul. We just must say yes to him whatever it is, big or small, are we saying yes to him? Are we saying, I choose this day to walk in victory, not because I'm in a manufacturer or because of something I'm going to do and I want to feel good about myself and say, it. are we going to say, today I choose to walk in victor- victory because of what he has done for me? I'm going to walk in victory because of him, because of what he has done in, in him and through him. I am going to allow him to fight that battle for me do we need to release that maybe it's maybe it's the fear of the unknown maybe we need to release control of our life whatever it is he's standing there waiting he's ready ready for you to release it so then he can just wrap you up in his love god we thank you father we thank you so much for your love and your goodness and your kindness God, I thank you for a faith that I don't have to be perfect. God, a faith that I don't have to have the answers. God, I don't even have to know the, the, the pathway or the, the direction because, God, you will lead. So, Jesus, thank you so much for that. Father, may we remember today as we go from this place and encounter all the things that the enemy wants to trip us up this week to have fear about. God, may we remember that you are there with us. Nothing's going to catch you by surprise this week. And God, we rest on that. Father, I thank you that that you loved us so much that you were willing to give yourself on the cross for me. And God, I pray if there's one in this room today that has never released control of their life and turned it over to you, that today would be that day that they do that, Father. Father, That today would be the day that they release control and say, thank you, Lord, for taking care of it. Thank you, Lord, for paying my debt. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. So God, move in our hearts today. We worship you. We thank you. We love you and praise you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, go out and be the light in the darkness this week. We look forward to seeing you back next week. Have a great week. Thank you so much.